The Arkansas Court of Appeals decided two cases this week dealing with civil procedure. In Nicholas v. Jones, 2021 ARC App 489, the Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed an order striking a counterclaim for discovery violations. Judge Gruber examined the conduct in this interlocutory appeal and upheld the circuit court's discretion in imposing a discovery sanction under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 37. Quote, Mike's counsel filed a motion to compel on February 6, 2020, seeking further response to the first set of discovery, detailing the alleged deficiencies, as well as seeking responses to the second set of discovery. There is nothing in the record that indicates Janet responded to the motion to compel, and the circuit court granted the motion on March 6. Janet responded to the second set of discovery on March 13, but did not supplement the first set. Janet's counsel never filed a request for an extension. Then on June 15, Mike filed a motion for contempt and sanctions, asserting that Janet failed to fully comply with the March 6 order, noting that although Janet had responded to the second set of discovery, she had failed to provide supplemental responses to his first set of discovery requests. The motion for contempt and sanctions against again detailed the alleged deficiencies. At the July 30 hearing, Janet produced some of the information requested, but other information remained outstanding. Based on the letter ruling and the comments made by the circuit court at the hearing, we cannot say the circuit court order striking Janet's counterclaim was made thoughtlessly, improvidently, or without due consideration. Moreover, the circuit court found that Janet's actions, or lack thereof, amounted to an egregious violation of the discovery rules. Our Supreme Court has stated that the circuit court is in a superior position to judge the actions or motives of litigants, and we will not second-guess its ruling. See Calandro v. Parkerson, 333 ARC 603. The fact that the sanction imposed by the trial court was undoubtedly final and severe is of no consequence, as Rule 37 specifically provides for dismissal of the action where a party fails to comply with an order to provide discovery. Thus, we affirm the circuit court striking of Janet's counterclaim. End of quote. End of decision. In Hardin v. Beck, 2021 ARC App 481, the Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed a circuit court order that dismissed a complaint because of lack of service, but the appellate court modified the dismissal to be without prejudice in relying on the saving statute, Art Code and Section 1656-126-A1. Chief Judge Harrison explained, Suzanne and Daniel Hardin appealed the Franklin County Circuit Court's order that dismissed with prejudice their complaint against Heather Beck. The Hardins argue that, one, the circuit court erred in dismissing the complaint because Beck's testimony was not credible, and two, the complaint should have been dismissed without prejudice. We affirm the circuit court's dismissal, but reverse the with prejudice designation and remand with directions that the dismissal be entered without prejudice. On 30 June 2016, the Hardins were injured in a car accident when their vehicle was hit from behind by Beck's vehicle. On 22 October 2018, the Hardens filed a complaint 
alleging that Beck had breached her duty of care to maintain control of her vehicle and caused personal injury and property damage. Susan Seymour, a private process server, indicated on the proof of service that she had left the summons and complaint at the individual's dwelling house or usual place of abode at 51 Tate Levins Road, Sylacauga, Alabama, 35150, with Paige Whitfield, a person at least 14 years of age who resides there on January 2, 2019, at 8.05 p.m. After no answer was filed by Beck within 30 days after service, the Hardens moved for default judgment. The Hardens replied and argued that the deadline for serving their complaint had been 19 February 2019 and that Beck had been properly served on 3 January 2019. Beck's address had been identified as 51 Tate Levins Road, Sylacauga, Alabama, and the process server left the complaint and summons with Paige Whitfield, an individual over the age of 14, at the residence of 51 Tate Levins Road, Sylacauga, Alabama, who identified herself as Beck's co-resident. Rule 5 of the Arkansas Rules of Civil Procedure provides that service can be made upon a party by leaving it at his dwelling house or usual place of abode with some person residing therein who is at least 14 years of age. End of quote. The record showed the place of alleged service address was a mobile home park, and there was a dispute whether or not she was served. Quote, The circuit court convened a hearing on the default mo- judgment motion on 9 July 2020. Beck testified that she currently lives at 690 Marble City Heights Circle in Sylacauga, Alabama, and that she has lived there for over a year. She said she moved out of the residence at 51 Tate Levins Road in April 2018, and in October 2018, she was living with a friend at 670 Marble City Heights Circle. Beck acknowledged that she had been in a relationship with Paige Whitfield, and then in January 2019, she and Paige lived at 47 Tate Levins Road. She stated that the addresses on Tate Levins Road or around the corner from each other in a trailer park. Beck did not remember receiving any paperwork from Paige and said that Paige had not received any documents for her while living at 47 Tate Levins Road. When shown the return receipt from May 2019 and asked if she recognized her signature, Beck said, I would say the first one is mine, but the last name, the last name does say Beck, but it doesn't look like mine. She explained that she had signed for something at the post office and that might have something to do with it, but she said that the signature on the return receipt was not really her signature. She agreed that the mail she signed for was addressed to 51 Tate Levins Road. However, she denied that she was receiving mail at that address. Instead, she said, I was receiving it at 47 Tate Levins Road. Someone had given me a big pamphlet that was next door and I didn't know nothing about it. I didn't know what it was, but they were next door, and so I just went to the post office. End of quote. In looking to factual determinations, an appellate court defers to the trial court, as it did here, in writing, Here, the circuit court found that service was insufficient based on the testimony that Beck lived at 47 Tate Levins Road, not 51 Tate Levins Road, at the time of service on 2 January 2019. 
we hold that the circuit court did not clearly err in making that determination. End of quote. Next, turning to application of the savings statute, the Court of Appeals reasoned it applied in this case and required dismissal to be without prejudice. Quote, For purposes of the savings statute, a suit is commenced when the complaint is timely filed and service of the complaint and summons, effective or defective, is completed within the 120-day period required by Rule 4I. The Supreme Court has never held that any attempted service, whether completed or not, commences a case. The cases fall in two lines, those in which no timely service was completed and those in which timely service was completed but done imperfectly. Only actions in the latter category receive the benefit of the savings statute. End of quote. The opinion collected decisions on the question of service and the application of the savings statute in quoting the parties' respective arguments. Quote, The Hardens contend that the action was commenced in this case and that our Supreme Court has explained that the savings statute applies if a timely, completed attempt at service is made but later held to be invalid. Redding v. Ballard, 2009, ARC 629, holding that a suit was commenced within the statute of limitations when the complaint was timely filed, although timely served summonses were defective. Thus, saving statute applied to permit suit within one year of dismissal. They also discuss several other Arkansas Supreme Court cases. Jones v. Douglas, 2016, Art 166, holding that a timely completed attempt to serve appellees afforded appellants the benefit of the savings statute. Forest City Machine Works, Inc. v. Lyons, 315 ARC 173, holding that improper service within 120 days of filing of the first complaint was sufficient to invoke the savings statute and told the statute of limitations. Cole v. First National Bank of Fort Smith, 304 ARC 26, holding that even though service had not been perfected, the savings statute applied. The Hardens argue that based on the foregoing precedent, it is clear that if dismissal was appropriate, it should have been without prejudice. The return of service indicated that the process server left the summons and complaint at the individual's dwelling house or usual place of abode at 51 Tate Levens Road, Sylacauga, Alabama, 35150 with Paige Whitfield, a person at least 14 years of age who resides there, on January 2, 2019, at 8.05 p.m. The Hardens contend, at that point, the attempted service had been completed. Citing Klaus versus Now Van 2, they conclude that, when a plaintiff files his case during the limitations period and serves it promptly but imperfectly under Rule 4, if the limitations period has expired, then he deserves the grace period provided by our saving statute to refile his case and serve it properly. If the law were otherwise, the beneficent purpose of our saving statute would be thwarted. In response, Beck denies that the action was commenced because she was never served with process. She notes that case law provides that statutory service requirements, being in derogation of common law rights, must be strictly construed and compliance with them must be exact. McCoy v. Roberts, Robertson, 2018, ARC App 279. 
In reply, the Hardens reiterate that a completed attempt to serve standard represents the current state of the law, illustrated most recently by White v. Owen, 2021, Arc 31. White presented a similar appeal to the case at Barr in that appellants argued that the circuit court erred in dismissing their suit based on defective service of process, or alternatively, that the circuit court erred in dismissing the suit with prejudice when the saving statute applied. The White opinion explained the facts as follows. Owen filed a reply claiming that he had disclosed his current address on September 25, 2018, in response to the White's first set of interrogatories and requests for production of documents. The discovery response, which was attached as an exhibit, listed Owen's residence address as 3802 Cavanaugh Boulevard, Apartment 702, Little Rock, Arkansas, 72205. He asserted that process servers had been told by his mother on two separate occasions that he did not reside at her home in Sherwood and that the Whites had failed to perfect service under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 4. He further argued that the Whites had failed to complete service to commence the action and that they were therefore not entitled to the benefit of the saving statute. After a hearing, the circuit court dismissed the complaint with prejudice. End of quote. The decision concluded that the saving statute applied in this case and dismissal should be without prejudice. Quote, we agree with the Hardens that the current state of the law requires only a completed attempt to serve. In this case, service was attempted and even completed on someone, who may or may not have been Whitfield, at 51 Tate Levins Road. This is sufficient to constitute an attempt under the case law. We hold that because the Hardens' complaint was commenced within the applicable statute of limitations period, and they attempted service on Beck within the time provided under Rule 4I, the circuit court erred in finding that the saving statute did not apply. Therefore, we affirm the circuit court's dismissal, reverse the with prejudice designation, and remand with instructions that the dismissal be entered without prejudice. End of quote. End of decision.